be seated. Take your Bibles this morning. We're in the book of Ruth. We're in the second chapter, Ruth chapter 2. Someone reached out to me this week and asked me if I was going to interrupt Ruth to talk about what's going on in the Middle East, and I was uh, tempted to do that. I'll just say, go over your scripture memory for the year, Revelation chapter 20, and uh, there it talks about beheading, and uh, that's certainly going on over there, and uh, that is a nature of a people that are uh, at war with God. It's just, uh, it's just hard to package that any other way. Um, they'll tell you they're, uh, they want to land, they've been, uh, they, they hate God, and that's just, that's just period. And just, just again, no good way to package that. But we're going to stay in Ruth this morning. I may, I may bump this next week because we're coming to the end of chapter two. Uh, but uh, we'll we'll see where the Lord leads. <clears throat> uh, before we hit the text this morning, let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning. We are very uh, thankful for the holy writ of Scripture uh, that is today uh, such a powerful powerful force uh, in the world. Certainly it ought to be in our lives, and we pray that you would speak to us and remind us this morning of your care and your love, and uh, that we would come, uh, that person that does not know you uh, as Savior, they'd come to you uh, for that solution that you paid for on Calvary's cross and enjoy the benefits of family life uh, uh, with a God that takes care of them. And we see that ever so present. Uh, in the book of Ruth, your care and your concern uh, for this little sparrow. And I pray that we be encouraged this morning uh, that you love us just as much as you loved Ruth, and you're going to provide for us just as you provided for Ruth, and you're going to care for us just as you provided for her. May we be encouraged, we pray, in Jesus Christ's name, amen. We're in Ruth. Uh, chapter 2, uh, Ruth in the barley harvest, you know, a little bit of review. She haps on a field of Boaz. From her perspective, from God's perspective, uh, that was not chance or circumstance. Uh, she leaves. She left last week uh, with uh, uh, the 25 pounds of barley, enough food for a week. Uh, and uh, the text will tell us a little bit about what happened next. But just think about that. So barley harvest is going to be about uh, f- uh, four weeks. Uh, and four weeks, every working six days a week, which is the seventh day of the Sabbath. Nobody's working on the Sabbath uh, in, in Israel at this time. There's no harvest on the Sabbath. So four weeks for that harvest, typically. Uh, four times six is 24 days. That's 24 weeks of food. If she continues to get a week's worth of groceries for every day she goes to the field. And there's no reason to think that uh, the fellows in the field are going to drop any less in front of her uh, than they did on that, on that first day. Uh, that God is going to take care of her. So 24 weeks. And we go, well, well, there's 52 weeks in a year. What about the rest? That is so like you. That is so like. That's human nature. What about the rest? What, what are we going to do then? Uh, you came with nothing. Now you have, uh, you left with a week's worth. After a month, now you've got 24 weeks worth. And we still say, God, that's not enough. Uh, godliness with contentment is still great gain. Recognizing that God will provide for your needs. Look at verse 18. And she took it up 
Uh, let's let's go back to verse 17 because that that tells us about the 25 uh, uh, 25 pounds of uh, the week's worth of food. So she gleaned in the field until even and beat out that she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. <clears throat> verse 18 begins the next paragraph, and she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. Now uh, Naomi has been in. Uh, the land uh, for a long time. Uh, she knows the customs of the land. She knows what poor people typically bring out of the field. When she's at home, she knows what she is expecting to walk through that door. Enough, enough barley for the two of them to have a meal. And in walks Ruth with 25 pounds, enough for a week. And she is, uh, she is immediately startled. And she saw what she had gleaned and she brought forth and gave to her that she had reserved after uh, she was sufficed. And her mother-in-law said unto her, oh, where, where hast thou gleaned today? Because that's unusual. And where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. So what's interesting about that is she recognizes that there is something more coming through the door than should have gone through the door, and that is something is being placed in front of her more than should have been placed in front of her, and that in order for that to happen, someone must have taken a special notice of her being in the field. And, of course, we know that that person is God. God sees you in the field. God sees you as you toil. God sees you as you struggle. God sees your hurts. Boaz is a type. He is not, but he is a type of Christ. And he uh, saw Ruth, uh, but God wants us to know that he sees us. Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought, and said, The man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. That is the first indication that we have that Naomi knew where she was going. People look at Ruth and they say, you, you can't get that from the context. <clears throat> Earlier, people say uh, that Naomi pointed Ruth in that direction, and that Ruth went to that field and to that man on purpose because she knew that he was a kinsman. There is nothing in the text that even remotely suggests that. What is suggested in the text, that the first indication that Naomi had that Boaz was in that field and Boaz owned that field is right here. Right here. Why is that significant? Because Ruth didn't go looking for a man, and she didn't go looking for a handout, and she didn't go looking to take advantage of a rich guy. Uh, she just happened, from her viewpoint, upon a field of a kinsman of a limelex that happened to be rich. The man's name, with whom I wrought today, is Boaz. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Praise the Lord. Blessed be he of the Lord, who hath not left off his kindness 
to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near kin of un- unto us, one of our next kinsmen. Ruth does not understand what that means, but Naomi does. You do not have to understand the blessings of God to be the recipient of the blessings of God. Ruth, this is all new to her. She, she, she doesn't understand at this point. She's going to understand because Naomi's going to explain it to her and explain to her what to do. And Boaz is going to explain it to her and what he has to do. But at this point, she is clueless as to, as to what, what this means, except, uh, okay, he's, he's related. <clears throat> uh, but the Jewish person, a kinsman, is, is huge. And a near kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. Notice Ruth, in verse 21, notice how Ruth refers to herself. And Ruth, the Moabitess, said. She's still looking on herself as tainted goods. That's how she looks at herself. She's not opportunistic. She's not uh, taking advantage. She still looks at herself as I'm... I'm, I'm the mobile. I'm the outsider. I don't, I don't really belong here. I don't deserve what I've been given. Uh, that's how she's looking at herself. Uh, he said unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they had ended all my harvest. And Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that thou go out with his maidens, that they meet thee not in any other field. Don't, don't, don't. Man, this guy bless you. Don't you dare! Don't, don't you dare let them catch you even glancing in another direction. You stay, you stay right there. Don't even think about going somewhere else. God has given you in one day a week's worth of groceries, and this guy has looked at you, and he is he is blessing you. But, but in that human nature, we think if it's so good here. Maybe it'll be better across the street or in a different relationship or in a different house or in a different town. And we tend to we tend to wander. And Naomi says, hey, you stay right where God's blessing is. That's where you ought to stay. Don't let them catch you. Don't let them meet you in another field. So she did. Verse 23. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean until the end of barley harvest. What comes after barley harvest? Wheat harvest. <laughs> and she stayed up for that as well and dwelt uh, with her mother-in-law. <clears throat> barley harvest, wheat harvest, again, four weeks, 24 days of labor, 24 weeks of food. And again, our thought is typically, what, what, about, the other, uh, what about the other weeks that equal 52? Are we going to starve? I suspect that if God can provide 20 four weeks of food in four weeks, he can probably take care of the rest of the year as well. In Matthew chapter 6, God says to his people, take no thought. He says it over and over again. Take no thought what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or wherewithal shall ye be clothed. Before, behold, the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither toil they, but their heavenly Father uh, takes care of them. <clears throat> Consider the lilies. 
Matthew chapter 10, verse 20, 31 says, Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value uh, than many sparrows. In Matthew chapter 10, God says, I take care of the sparrows. I feed them. And you are better than many sparrows. Many sparrows. 1905, Sevilla D. Martin put it to words. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is He. For His eye is on the sparrow, and I know He watches me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know He watches me. What a great song. And comes from this Bible truth that Ruth doesn't understand, but she's being blessed by God's goodness, God's grace. I got news for you this morning. Be not air, be not dismayed, whate'er betide, God will take care of you. <clears throat> Again, Ruth is looking for one meal. Uh, she comes away with 25 pounds, enough for the two of them for a week. Boaz says, stay in my field. I don't even think of going anywhere else. And I say, uh, God has been so very good to us here, Mrs. Bishop and I, and to our family. And we are delighted uh, to be here. Uh, we, we don't think of going anywhere else. We're in the place of God's blessing. We're in the place where we know that God wants us to be. And we are very content to toil in his field here uh, that is called Alexandria. Uh, we are very content to do that. And I don't want God to even catch me uh, in, a, in another field uh, that, that he doesn't own, uh, where he would not want me to be. <clears throat> God's been good. God's been good to you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, in Christ. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, Now, uh, can, can God really take care of me for the rest of the year? Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power, the power of the Holy Spirit that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Uh, how long is God able to do that? About that long. <clears throat> I, I wouldn't be concerned, and you shouldn't either. Jude, verse 24, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory, with exceeding joy, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Uh, that's all that needs to be said. <clears throat> uh, we have a tendency to say, it's, it's too, we're like, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the guy in the seven dwarfs. 
It'll never work. It'll never last. It'll run out. You can't trust God. Uh, we, we kind of like that. How long? How long will it last? Uh, I'll just re- remind you, a world without end. That's how long it's going to last. <clears throat> Until the end of the harvest, then what? Uh, seriously? <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7. That in ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness through us, toward us, through Christ Jesus. God's provisions satisfy. That we may be able to show others God's amazing grace. And it is, it is designed to be shared. So I ask you, what have you gleaned? What have you gleaned this week? So we get upset, we get unsettled, upset about uh, what is transpiring in the Middle East. And you're not alone. And the pictures have been uh, horrible. And the news reports just absolutely astounding. And uh, say, preacher, what did you do? Uh, I read through the book of Revelation, I don't know, uh, three or four times uh, this week. Just to remind me, God's still on the throne. He's still in control. Uh, not, uh, not the end of the world. But there is an end coming uh, for those that don't know Christ. <clears throat> what have you gleaned? What truth have you gleaned? What talent uh, do you possess that you should be using for God's glory? Uh, Ruth didn't hide that. She brought it home and uh, she, she, she had some for herself. She was nourished and she gave to her that she had reserved after she was Suffice. God took care of her, and she gave to Naomi. It wasn't designed to be all kept for her. Uh, she just didn't bring home a little bit and then hide the rest out in the garage uh, so that Naomi couldn't find it or couldn't see it. Uh, she was blessed, and she wanted to know others to know that she had been blessed, and she took what she had gleaned, and she shared it with Naomi. That's just the right, right thing to do, and that's what she did. What gift? What, how have you been blessed financially? How are you sharing of the truths and the talents and the resources that God has given to you? Have you shared that? Are you sharing that with others? August, about six weeks ago, Mark Schwark had a fall and he died. Now, you don't know who Mark Schwark is. But he is a farmer. His wife of 42 years. He and she had been lifelong farmers. The problem is, it's August. And it's harvest time. And it would take him about two to three weeks to harvest the grain. And if the grain is not harvested then the bills aren't paid, the taxes aren't paid, the mortgage isn't paid, the electric's not paid, the seed that has maybe been bought on, uh, on time is not paid. And uh, those, those crops, if they're left in the field and they, they rot and they die and they're lost, that is income lost, that is a farm lost, and uh, she can't recover from that. 
42 years, your life is standing before you. And, and she had no idea to do. She knew that she did not have uh, the wherewithal to go out into the field and to harvest that grain. Naomi knew she did not have the wherewithal to go out into that field at her age and harvest that grain. She couldn't do it. She couldn't stand the heat. She couldn't stand the bending over. She just, she just would not survive. She needed Ruth to go do that harvest for her. Barb Schwartz needed help. And the people around her saw that she needed help. And on the day of harvest, 70 farmers showed up to help in the harvest. 70 people showed up. 70 people, 20 trucks, 13 combines. They called it the community harvest. Normally, it took the harvest two or three weeks to get done. But all the helpers did it in a single day. They let their fields sit. They let their crops sit in the field. As crops, when they're, when they're ripe, when they're ready to be harvested, every day in the field is dangerous. You get closer to a storm or to a windstorm coming through that, uh, that flattens the crops and makes it difficult uh, to pick up. Even if you can pick it up, it makes, it makes your losses greater because more seed is left in the field than a farmer can pick up effectively. It's a dangerous time. But they set aside their own personal interest to go into that field to help someone, uh, to help a farmer who had passed away and his wife that was left behind. And we look at that and say, well, what's she going to do next year? And again, that is such human nature. What, what about next year? Why can't we be thankful for what God has given us today? Many people never enjoy God's blessings of today because they're always worried about something down the road that hasn't transpired. Next year will take care of itself, which is why in Matthew chapter 6, God said over and over again, take no thought. Stop worrying. I'm going to take care of you. You're much better than many sparrows. I'm going to watch over you. I'm going to meet your needs. I'm going to satisfy you. I'm going to take care of you. Can't you trust me? And let me try to get creative. We sneak into another field and hope Boaz, hope God's not watching we get creative in our finance and maybe even do some things that are criminal along the way. And we get ourselves into trouble when we should trust God. God is a whole lot more interested in the harvest, in your provision, than you are. God can take care of you. Will you trust him? God will take care of you. Why? Because his eye is on the sparrow. Verse 19. <clears throat> Again, her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today? God's blessings mandate appreciation. Naomi has seen it. Now she wants to know who so that she can display her appreciation. Where hast thou gleaned today? Where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. Verse 20. Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he 
of the Lord, who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. Take note. Naomi breaks out in praise. When, when God blesses you, Ruth, and you share it with others, you encourage others. So here's Naomi. She's, she's sitting at home all day. Oh, what are we going to eat? Oh, I hope the field goes good. Oh, I hope she gets enough. Oh, I'm so hungry. Oh, oh, and watching out, oh, watching out this, at the, towards the end of the day to see what, where she's coming down the road or where she is uh, to see if she's been okay. Uh, uh, and she walks through the door and she's blessed. But when you share your blessings, when you share encouragement, when you share what God has done in your life with others, you encourage others. Now Naomi, is she not, she's not worried anymore. She's not upset anymore. She, she's thrilled. Wow. <laughs> I don't have to worry about food tomorrow. It's already here. I don't have to worry about the food on Thursday. It's already here. Blessed be he of the Lord. <clears throat> Pay attention. When you see the goodness of God and you are thankful for the blessings of God, uh, <clears throat> others break forth in praise, praise. But you are more likely to get the attention, positive attention of God himself. Uh, when's the last time you recognize God's gifts in your life? When's the last time you recognize that God has, has blessed you exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think? <clears throat> And this is Bishop and I will talk about uh, in our early uh, in our early days of marriage, when we uh, lived in a small, tiny little apartment on the second story of an old cold farmhouse in uh, Pennsylvania. <clears throat> Remember when it was uh, difficult? Uh, we, we talked about uh, uh, pitching uh, pinching pennies and uh, how difficult it was to. Um, make make ends meet in those early days. <clears throat> I say, Mrs. Bishop did not marry me for my money. <clears throat> and I didn't have any. <clears throat> uh, she did not. And to see where we are today, to see how God has blessed us. And we, we tell our children uh, that God has greatly blessed us. Why? Because we want our children to be encouraged. And we tell you that God has richly blessed us because we want you to be encouraged as well. <clears throat> Ruth and Naomi have noticed that they have been blessed. I'm sure others, while Ruth is on her way to the house, went, whoa, what field has she been in today? 25 pounds of grain is a significant load to carry uh, through the streets of the city. Uh, And we know... If you've read, and I hope that you have, the book of Ruth before, you know how this is going to end. It is going to end in exceeding abundantly above all that we ask and think. It's going to end with a magnitude that Ruth and Naomi cannot even comprehend at this point. They know that they were the recipient of one week's of grocery, 25 pounds of grain, but they have no idea how the magnitude of what God has in store for them in the future. So, have you eaten this week? Oh, yeah. You, you got groceries in the cupboards, enough to get you through the day, 
Oh, oh, preacher, oh yeah, we can get through the day. We can get through the week. We, man, if, 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 we, if we didn't have money for a month, we probably have enough canned goods in there uh, that we could probably eat for a month without going to the store. You, you probably could. If you thank God for his blessings. Got a month worth of groceries at home if you didn't spend another dime today. God is good. Uh, we know uh, also that Boaz is interested. Boaz has taken note of Ruth. You let me say again, Boaz is a type of Christ. Christ has taken interest. He has noticed you. He sees you in the field. He has taken an interest in you. God wants to fellowship with you. God wants you to know him better. We already saw in uh, last week in verse <clears throat> Uh, verse 11, go back there and look at this, that Boaz knows exactly who she is. Boaz answered and said unto her, It has been fully, it hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and art come to a people which thou knewest not heretofore. But as she refers to herself, again, in verse 21, as Ruth the Moabitess, but Boaz isn't doing that. God's not doing that. He's not referring to you as uh, uh, Joe, the, Joe the, the jerk. Kate, the knucklehead. Uh, that's not how God is referring to you. Uh, not how Boaz refers to her. He doesn't bring up her, her, her past to throw it in her face. He says, I know about you, and I still am going to do this for you. God knows your past. He knows what you've got hidden. He knows what I don't know. He knows what your husband doesn't know. He knows what your wife doesn't know. He knows what your kids don't know. He knows everything about you. Yet he still loves you and wants to fellowship with you and wants you to get to know him better in Ruth, even intimately. I'll just say, if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you're lost and wandering in this world of sin and sorrow, and there's a whole lot of sin and sorrow, God offers you salvation. Yesterday we were out knocking on doors, and I, what a what an easy day to knock on doors yesterday. Say, preacher, it was raining. It was, but man, I'll tell you what, uh, a lot of ring doorbells out there, and <clears throat> people don't open the door because they see the preacher. Uh, but uh, they've got a ring doorbell, and I get to rec- I get to talk to them anyways. As I'm uh, Philip Bishop and uh, Mark Kling, we're from Lighthouse Baptist Church, and we've got some good news. Don't we have good news? Doesn't the world need good news? Isn't the good news found in the gospel of Jesus Christ, what God has done in your life? Can't you share that with someone else, how God has taken care of you, how he has provided you with salvation? The world needs that. They're in desperate need of that. So I say to you, if you're lost and you're wandering in this world of sin and sorrow, there is good news found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, a prodigal, cold, backslidden, defeated, let God lead you to the way of power and victory. Boaz has opened his hand. And to us, God has opened his hand. And Boaz has opened his heart to Ruth. And God has opened his heart to you. What will you do with that? Will you reject him? What does it take 
gals, what does it take for a guy to impress you? I mean, Jesus Christ went to the cross and gave his life for you to give you eternal life. And we're only on day one of the blessings. And Naomi has gone from bitter to rejoicing. I just say again, if you're here today and bitterness has gripped your soul, God desires restoration. God wants to restore you to fellowship. The question is, will you let him? New Jersey man was taking a walk with his child. And they were walking through an old riverbed and, uh, just, just, just recently. And the, uh, the rains came down and uh, the water rushed through this old bed. And he stepped, uh, old riverbed, and he stepped down. And a 200-pound rock boulder moved and lodged him in, in the river. And 200 pounds, he, he couldn't pick it up. <clears throat> and his child was there, a little one, looked at him, and his mouth gaped open. And about that time, uh, the rains from uh, the higher ground area started to fill that old riverbed. And the water started to come up. And he looked at his son and said, Run! And his son was, what, what do I do? Well, he didn't want his son to perish. And he didn't want to perish himself. So this is what he said. You go out and stand in the road and yell for help. So he went up. Uh, he, he climbed up out of the riverbed and got by the side of the road and just stood on the side of the road. Yelling, went, help! Help! Cars were driving by. I don't suspect anybody could hear him. But God could and somebody stopped. The first person on the, they dialed 911. And uh, before they could get down there uh, to where the man was, a boy led the way. Uh, the fire guy got there. The fire chief got there from a little town called Demarest, New Jersey. And <clears throat> uh, they got some guys together and they lifted this 20, 200 pound boulder out of the way and, and got the guy freed up and got him out and, of course, he's in the cold water and uh, suffering from hypothermia, and they had to, had to treat him. It was quite an amazing thing. It was difficult. He, he was in trouble. The times were desperate. He needed help. Are you in trouble? Are the times desperate? You, you don't need cell service to call out to God in heaven. You just need to cry. Lord, help me. Lord, I'm in trouble. Lord, I need you. And he will. <clears throat> Let not your heart be troubled. His tender word I hear. And resting on his goodness, I lose my doubts. And fears, though by the path he leadeth, but one step I may see. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. For his eye 
is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. And what do they receive? Say, preacher, you've mentioned that. 25 pounds. Okay. But they've received so much more than that. They've received hope. What they needed more than food, and what they needed more than a week's worth of groceries, and what they needed more than a year's worth of groceries, is hope. A faith and trust and hope that God, again, I'm going to say it again, I'll say it next week, probably the week after, God sees you toiling in the field. God knows your need. God wants to help. Stay in his field. Don't wander. Let God bless you in his field. He is able to do that. Can can you not see that God has a plan for Ruth and God has a plan for you to meet your needs, to watch over you? Uh, We we tend to pessimism. What What about after the harvest? What about next year? What about retirement? Oh, please, give God the glory. Break out in praise. Understand God's goodness for you. Ruth and Naomi, at this point, we know what God is going to do. Again, because we've read the end of the book. But they don't know what God is going to do. And so here we are today. If you put yourself in the narrative, and you should, we are here today. We do not know what God is going to do. But we know it's going to be good. Again, Ruth still viewing herself, verse 21, as a Moabitess, tainted goods, scarred for life. But God's not viewing her that way. God does not view you that way. He does not. God has great plan. God has a great future in store for you. God loves you. And God knew, and Naomi pointed out, that he's a kinsman. He's a near kinsman. Because God knew that more than a week's worth of food what Ruth needed was a redeemer. And more than what, you, what food you need for today, our greatest need in life is the need for a redeemer to be redeemed. To, to have our sin problem covered. To have hope. Once you come to Christ for salvation, then you have hope, not just for retirement, but for eternity. That even in death, we, according to uh, the Paul, Paul, as he wrote, we sorrow not even as those which have no hope. Uh, we cry for certain, but we have hope. God knew they needed a Redeemer. God knows that we need Christ. God is able. God has already provided in this chapter handfuls on purpose, parched corn for lunch, cool water to refresh. And if you'll allow him, he will take care of you for a lifetime. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 puts it like this, But thanks be to God, which giveth us 
the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, therefore, what therefore? Because thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, it should cause us to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, whereas ye know, <clears throat> for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now listen, being in the field is not for the faint-hearted. It is certainly not for the lazy or the indolent. It is not for the Christ-rejectors or the Christ-deniers. There are lots of poor, field, poor people in the fields on this day. But only one person received the blessing. Brother Mark and I were out yesterday. We didn't have anybody that was really mean to us. Uh, uh, and pretty typical. Uh, we knocked on one door and one fella came out. And uh, I, didn't, I don't think I said much except for... <laughs> and he just looked at me and he said, I'm going to have to ask you to leave my property. Eh, no problem. Thank you very much. Thank you for. I, this I, I'm pretty sure I said thank you for greeting us. Thank you for greeting us. And put my hand up and walked away. I don't want God. I don't want God messing in my life. I don't want God's representative here. I don't. I don't want Boaz uh, here helping me. I don't want him showing me uh, what my need is. I, I, I don't need you. I don't need God. There are lots of people like that. There are lots of people out there on this day. But there was a Ruth that said, "I, I, I, I'll, I'll take whatever you have to offer." And God said, you have no idea. You have no idea what I have in store for you. To that person that's willing to do that, that's willing to cry out. <clears throat> Brian Cabona, it was January 11th of this year, his car was on fire. There were three men trapped inside. Man ran up, opened the passenger door. Grabbed the passenger. The flames burned his arms. He pulled that passenger to safety. Went back up to the car because there were two more people unconscious in the rear seats. But the flames were so great that he could not get to them. And they perished in the flames. When it came time to reward, an award, the fire department awarded this Good Samaritan with a life-saving award. They didn't say, you know what? Uh, you should have gotten all three. They were thankful that he had put forth the effort to save one. What effort are you putting forth? What efforts? God will say, well done. Well done. How was your relationship with the Lord this morning? You're backslidden, you're tired, you're lonely, you're defeated. Whenever I am tempted, whenever clouds arise, when songs give place to sighing, when hope within me dies, I draw the closer to Him, from care he sets me free, for his eye is on the sparrow, 
And I know he watches me, for his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy, I sing because I'm free, for his eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your provision for me today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here this morning. You're a Christian. You know Christ is your Savior. I say, preacher. Today, I just want to be thankful for God's provision today. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow, next week, or retirement. I'm just going to be thankful for what God has given me today. Would you pray for me as God would help me to be thankful for what he has done for me today? Yes, ma'am. Praise the Lord. Yes, wonderful. Excellent. Let me pray for you. Father, Christians around the room, they just want to be thankful for what you have done for them today to show their appreciation to you for what you have done for them today. And Father, we don't need to see the end result. Ruth could not see that. To have faith and trust that that end result is going to be exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for that promise, and we trust you to do that. We can't see it. They couldn't see it, but we are convinced. We know that it's going to be good. And we thank you for your future provision in Jesus Christ's name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here. You do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're walking through this world of sin and sorrow on your own. This morning, God has spoken to your heart. You need to be saved. Slip your hand up and say, Preacher, pray for me. I am not saved. I need to be saved. Pray for me, and I will pray for you. Is there one? Stand to our feet with our heads bowed and eyes closed. The piano playing. If you want to pray, the altar is open. You want me to pray for you, I'll be delighted to do that. Now, you obey as God speaks to your heart. The altar is open. The invitation will not be long. You obey.